Welcome to The Collective Rx, a wellness and personal development podcast for healthcare professionals who are ready to create a fulfilling personal and professional life. I'm your host, Julie Doan, pharmacist and certified life coach. Hey friend, welcome back to The Collective Rx podcast. So before we dive into today's topic about upgrading your self-talk in order to feel better, go after your goals and create the life that you want, I want to take a moment to celebrate that we are at episode 10. I'm always reminding my clients to celebrate their progress and wins, and I want to take some time to acknowledge myself too. Three years ago, I had an idea to create something that would support healthcare professionals' mental and emotional well-being. I had no idea what that would look like, but I knew there was something there to explore. I kept the idea on the back burner because of different reasons, promising to myself that I would bring it to life when the timing was right. And at the beginning of 2023, I told myself it was time to take action and create this podcast. And you know what? I'm really proud of myself for doing this and not letting this idea sit any longer in the back drawer of my brain. And I hope that me celebrating myself publicly will also remind you to validate yourself and your accomplishments. Because while external validation is fun, you need to pat yourself on the back first. Because what you think of yourself and the words of acknowledgement you give yourself will always matter more. Which brings me to the topic of self-talk. I wanted to address this today because the way you talk to yourself and how you perceive yourself influences everything in your life, from how you feel on a daily basis to whether or not you reach your goals. And unfortunately, not many of us are taught how to cultivate an empowering and helpful self-talk. To help illustrate my point and give you concrete examples, I want to share an example from my health coaching practice on how negative self-talk can hinder someone's progress, and then I'll give you a work-related example. One of the most common things I hear from my clients is, I have no self-discipline, or I don't finish what I start. In the context of lifestyle habits, this belief typically comes from being immersed in diet culture, which promotes yo-yo diets and having an all-or-nothing approach to change. Before working with me, my clients typically had a pattern of trying you know, out a new diet or workout routine for two to four weeks and going, quote-unquote, all out and following the plan perfectly. However, because the change was too drastic from their baseline, it wasn't sustainable and eventually they weren't able to keep up with it 100%. And because they couldn't do it quote unquote perfectly, they felt like they messed up, they failed, and then they gave up the new habit because what's the use of continuing if they can't do it quote unquote right? Eventually, they would try another diet or workout plan and repeat the same pattern of go hard for four weeks and then stop again. And what they unfortunately made this mean about themselves is that they don't have enough discipline to change their habits or that they can't keep their words to themselves. Now, the problem with carrying this kind of belief about themselves is that whenever they decide to change their habits again, there will always be a part of them that will believe, what's the use? I know I won't be able to stick with this new routine anyways, which leads to feeling unmotivated and discouraged. And from this place of discouragement, This will eventually lead to skipping a workout or saying, screw it, 
you know, to their initial plan of cooking a homemade meal and ordering takeout instead. Of course, doing this once isn't an issue, but then consistently enough, this will greatly hinder someone's progress, which only reinforces the belief that they don't have discipline or don't finish what they set out to do. In this scenario, most people will believe that the solution is to be stricter with themselves when it comes to their meals or workouts and to take more action or a different set of actions such as trying the latest wellness fad that seems to be working for everyone else. However, we all know that this doesn't work long term. In order to create the results they're seeking and to sustain it, they need to combine action with upgrading how they see themselves. They need to set aside their past stories of themselves and begin to see themselves as someone who is building self-confidence, learning to keep their promises, and who is capable of achieving their goals. Now, one of the ways I help them change the narrative about themselves is by helping them create more gradual changes in their habits that they can consistently practice, which builds their self-confidence and proves to themselves that they are capable of keeping promises to themselves. And with each promise they keep, they grow the perception of themselves that they do have self-discipline. And on the occasions that they don't feel like cooking or doing the workout, and trust me, these moments happen to everyone, they will be able to remind themselves that they are someone who sticks to their word and is committed to themselves. The thing is, we will always take actions that are in congruence with our beliefs. And if you believe you are someone who is capable of being disciplined or is on their way of building self-discipline, you will work to prove yourself right. And from that place of commitment and congruence, you'll be able to break the cycle of stop and go that you were previously in and continue to solidify this new identity of being someone who has discipline. You might have heard this before, but we will always end up creating a result that proves our beliefs to be true. And I hope this example illustrates how the belief I have no self-discipline gives a very different result from the belief I'm building my self-discipline, or I commit to what I'll say I'll do. So the next example I'm going to share with you is work-related, and I feel like it will resonate with a few of you. So I used to feel a lot of anxiety when I had to call a physician I didn't know well to discuss a prescription or ask for a clarification. At first, I didn't know why I felt this way. I mean, come on, it was just a phone call. Like, what's so scary about it? But despite logic, I was always anxious. And of course, I still did my job and called the doctor because patient safety was more important to me than my anxiety. But I could see that the anxiety I was feeling was unnecessary stress and overthinking. When I began practicing mindfulness, I became more skilled at noticing my thoughts and I was able to identify the main ones that were contributing to my anxiety related to the situation. What I found was this. I'm going to bother them. What if this suggestion is stupid? What if I'm wrong? And when I got curious about where these thoughts were coming from, thanks to the personal development work that I've been doing on myself to build my self-awareness, I realized that these were all variation of unhelpful beliefs and judgments I had about myself that I picked up throughout my childhood and my life, which were, you know, variations of I'm annoying. I have nothing of value to offer, and I'm incompetent. 
And for anyone who's done the work of excavating limiting beliefs about themselves, it's quite fascinating to see what kind of thoughts are running in the back of your head and how they're influencing your emotions and actions in your everyday life. For me, not only were these thoughts about myself contributing to work-related anxieties when I had to interact with other people, but I also saw how they influenced the way I showed up in my relationships and how I limited myself when it came to goal setting because I didn't see myself as someone who'd be capable of accomplishing these big dreams that I had. So through personal development and therapy, a big part of my focus has been changing my self-perception and the way I speak to myself. I've worked on seeing myself as someone who is competent, who knows what she's talking about, and who has something of value to offer. So these days, when I need to call a physician, I really feel anxiety. I no longer say, sorry to bother you, when I'm beginning my conversation, and I'm much more assertive, and I speak in a tone of collaboration versus me sharing my suggestions in a way that's almost asking permission. So while I didn't say these exact words, it was almost like I was saying to the physicians, like, hey, do you think this would be a good idea? Like, if you don't agree, that's okay. You know, no worries. Sorry to bother you with this. And, you know, that very similar apologetic kind of energy. And I no longer do this because my main narrative these days is I'll be able to help them. And what I'm about to share is really useful. You know, even if they don't agree, it's useful. If you listen to episode six of my podcast, which was called How to Be Less Stressed, you heard me talk about the skill of noticing your thoughts and redirecting them. I talked about this concept in the context of reducing stress, but noticing your thoughts can help in all areas of your life as it helps bring awareness to what's holding you back and also what supports you moving forward. And when it comes to the thoughts you have of yourself, also known as self-talk, you definitely want to be intentional about them. So tell me, what is your self-talk like? If you're like most people, it's a mix of both useful and unuseful thoughts. Because of course, nothing is black and white. And when I say useful or even helpful thoughts, I'm referring to thoughts that are either empowering or that add value to your life. Such as, I can do hard things. I have a lot to bring to the table. I matter. I forgive myself for making this mistake. And examples of unuseful or unhelpful thoughts are, I can never do anything right. See, I screwed up again. And it's really fascinating how most of us wouldn't dare say these kind of words of criticism to someone we love, and yet we repeat this nonsense to ourselves several times a day. When I'm discussing about body image with my health coaching clients, I often encourage them to stop tolerating their inner critic and to raise their standards to how they speak to themselves. And when their inner critic starts going off on a rant, I tell them to interrupt it and to say out loud, hey, we don't talk to ourselves like that anymore. At first, my clients will usually tell me it feels weird to state this out loud, but I encourage them to persist. And those that do eventually get to a place where they no longer tolerate anyone putting them down, themselves included. So, in what ways are you putting yourself down or doubting yourself instead of empowering yourself and seeing yourself as beautiful, capable, and resourceful? How are you choosing to see yourself? 
If you are to describe yourself, what words would you put after the statement, I am? As you think about this, I invite you to choose your words wisely and intentionally because what you think about yourself will greatly determine your quality of life. Now, before I end this episode, I want to specify that it's not about telling yourself thoughts you don't actually believe. If your current thoughts are, I hate my body, repeating to yourself, I love my body all day won't necessarily change your beliefs about yourself because it's too big of a jump. And this is why I want to introduce to you the idea of a thought ladder, which is a concept I first heard from Kara Laurenthal, who is a life coach. So imagine at the bottom of your ladder is your current thought, and at the top of the ladder is the one you want to believe. And in between, you have thoughts that will help you climb up to the thought you want to think most often. So if we use the body image example, you might begin with the thought, I hate my body, and climb up to the thought, I have a body, right? It's much more neutral. Practice that thought for a while, and when you're ready to move on, you can practice the idea, I'm grateful for how my body functions. And from there, it could be, I appreciate my body, to I love certain parts of my body, to I love my body. So personally, when I'm doing this work of upgrading my thoughts and reaching for a more useful thought than the one I'm currently having, I know I found the right thought for me in that moment based on how my body feels. I will either feel more relaxed in my body, I have either a sense of peace, or it could be like a sigh of relief. So experiment if that's the case for you too, or perhaps your process of identifying the thought that feels good for you will look different. Now to put this episode into action, here are two suggestions. The first one is to identify one recurrent situation where you often feel stress, anxiety, or perhaps annoyed. And the next time that this situation arises, or perhaps you can imagine the situation in your mind, First, you take a few deep breaths to calm down your nervous system, and then notice the thoughts that are passing through your mind and write them down. You'll likely find one or two thoughts that are about you and that are contributing to how you're feeling in that moment. Create a thought ladder with that initial thought and practice the first thought that's above in value to your current thought. The second suggestion is that if you did the Wheel of Life exercise that I recommended in episode 4, choose one area of your life that's rated lower in terms of satisfaction than the others. Jot down a few thoughts you have about yourself in that area of life and identify the ones that are disempowering and create a thought ladder with that. Now you might have noticed that I've been specifying to upgrade thoughts that are about you versus thoughts about the situation or about other people. And while doing that could be helpful, since this episode is really about your self-talk, begin with the thoughts that influence your self-perception. All right, my friend, this is what I had to share with you on the topic of upgrading your self-talk. As usual, I'd love to read your thoughts and comments on this episode, and you can message me on Instagram or on LinkedIn. And if you haven't shared a review or rated the podcast yet, I would so appreciate you doing this because one, I love to get your feedback. And two, rating helps more people discover this podcast. So thank you in advance. On that note, thank you for listening, for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next episode.